0: We know just what you need and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
2: Yep, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com, where you'll find links to the audio-only podcast, the website, the stuff, the things, the deal, and all the other stuff that you could possibly want. Good morning and welcome to the program, Uh, and thanks for coming in and joining us. Just another beautiful day in our neighborhood um, it's, uh, it's Tuesday, you know, it's raining again. Uh, what more could a guy ask for? <laughs> I mean, you know, of stuff and things and d- the dealio. Anyway, it is, uh, it's Tuesday, which means it is time to get into our weekly top three. The weekly top three with Brad Keith Lee is going to be coming, um, 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 you know. Anyway, it's it's the deep dive. There's stuff going on, stuff and things, Lori. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a, a discussion today, talking about. Well, we're going to talk about the the permanent fund corporation and their warnings about the uh, the exhaustion of the era. We're going to talk about who really pays for the K through twelve. Uh, educational things and we got apparently Brad's got some more stuff on the vacancy at the Department of Revenue the uh, the, the the ousting of the previous director um, super quietly uh, not caught on until later on. So we're going to talk about that as well um, and uh, whatever else is on Brad's mind this morning here on this beautiful rainy foggy chilly day. So we'll see what's going on. Summer's officially halfway over. Have I told you that it's uh, all three days of it, all three days of summer that we've experienced are officially halfway over right now. Um, but uh, we're we're you know on the downhill slide now now towards. It's just so frustrating. I mean, it's not like I want it to be you know ninety degrees every day, but boy, I really would like one. So i told i told my staff earlier yesterday uh my engineer and my salespeople and i said look just fair warning if it turns into a nice day one of these days i'll probably just take the day off just to go outside and enjoy the sunshine for one day <laughs> i mean woof now today it's a little uh thinner it looks like the sun might be trying to break through somewhere on the horizon we'll see what it looks like but yeah, I don't know. It's Just gonna be gonna try and and be a nice day here today, but we'll see. We'll see what it looks like uh in the long run. Somebody up north of me says that there's some blue skies uh in Wasilla. So maybe it'll get a little nicer today. We'll see. Um after we finish up with Brad Keith Lee from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, we will um we will uh, then uh, do a little recap and then pick it up with Chris Story, the man of from Homer, who will come on board and share with us his thoughts on. Um, well, I don't know. It's gonna be like the weekly life coaching lesson, right? That's what it's. Uh, that's what it's all about. The weekly life coaching lesson. He's gonna be. He's gonna be sharing his thoughts with us on something and trying to make us better people. It's a tough thing, but that's kind of the direction that we're going uh kind of the direction that we're going today. So, um so what's on the uh, what's on the headlines? What's on the headlines? I think that there's been a big question um about uh the use of the early warning system uh for the tsunami. Uh, I think it's a great thing but there has been uh, some questions about it, uh, about whether or not it was triggered too soon, too early. Um, you know what? It, and, you know, I think this is the this is the thankless job that these folks at the uh, at the uh, tsunami warning center have. Um, if you if you ring the bell too early, people complain. If you read the bang, if you ring, ring the bell too late. Well, that people can die, all right? I mean, it's not a it's, it's not a, it's not a great thing. Let's just put it that way. And of course, it's exacerbated by the fact that um, a, a woman was killed in Kodiak uh, during the evacuation, in what apparently was a hit and run, KTUU reporting that uh, they have identified a suspect in their investigation of the hit and run that took place near East Rezanoff Drive and Mill Bay Road. Uh, around 11.20 p.m. The earthquake happened about 30 minutes before, and the collision took place during the evacuation uh, as people were, I guess, panicking to get away. Um, and this apparently was a vehicle versus pedestrian uh, hit and run. But they apparently know who it is, and they're working their way down on it and everything else. But it's led to some other questions. And I saw some comments on Facebook um yesterday and this morning uh, a couple different comments and the article uh, in the ADN is talking about it as well that there are people um you know that some of the people are concerned that the, that the overuse of the thing would erode the public's trust um at you know at a time of an actual emergency um and it's um it's a problem uh and i don't know exactly again this is to me this would be a thankless thing either you're too early and nothing happens or you're too late and something does and you've got to find that sweet spot so uh it's in it's um it's an interesting challenge let's just put it that way a very very interesting uh challenge for uh for today um but Anyway, you guys uh, you guys on Kodiak know more than I you know you would you would be closer to this than I would be uh, this morning on this whole situation. but I'm glad at least that and, and when I had heard yesterday that somebody had been killed, I didn't realize that it was a hit and run. Uh, that is uh, very uh, problematic. Uh, the, in fact, the Kodiak police are still looking for a video. Uh, they said the vehicle and driver have been identified. Officers are continuing the investigation. The Kodiak Police Department is asking for witnesses to the fatal accident. Pedestrian hit and run near the 300 block of East Resinoff Drive at Mill Bay Road at approximately 11.20 p.m. Uh, this occurred during the evacuation. Please call the dispatch. Anyone with surveillance cameras that view Resinoff between Marine Way and the Kodiak Middle School, they would appreciate it if you could share the video with them. So ring doorbell cameras or whatever else you got out there. Um, So it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're still, they're still looking here. They're still trying to figure out what's going on and uh, they're still working on that. So uh, anyway, uh, that was uh, one of the big headlines today. The other big headline is that the um, boy Alaskans for better elections. That's Scott Kendall's group is um, going full court press against anyone who's speaking out against rank choice voting. We talked about this last week um, as they're going after um, Art Mathias and the Alaskans for Honest Elections thing. Uh, They filed a huge APOC complaint against them, and now a complaint filed yesterday uh, by Alaskans for Better Elections is now being uh, filed uh, against Kelly Shabaka and her. Uh, what do they call it? I think it's called. Is it called defending democracy? Um, preserve democracy. Uh, preserve democracy um, is uh, up there, and the complaints, compare, again, prepared by Scott Kendall, um, com- complains that. Uh, that Kelly Shabaka uh, says that uh, has used non non-pro- nonprofit corporation she founded after losing the Senate race to support the repeal of ranked choice voting and open primaries, while violating campaign finance reporting requirements. It alleges that Shabaka has lobbied the Alaska Legislature to repeal the state's current election system without registering with the state as required by law. Um, she has been, uh, she's publicly been criticizing state election law here on the program. She talked about it and she talked about the group preserving democracy and getting uh, all this other kind of stuff out. But you can just see that this is a full court press, um, full court press by Scott Kendall and company against anyone who would speak out or have any kind of horsepower or headway In um, fighting back against the ranked choice voting, he is going to weaponize the Alaska Public Offices Commission. And uh, you can expect that anybody that speaks out against it um, in any kind of meaningful way in a in a political group or something like that. I think you could fully expect Scott Kendall to show up on your doorstep with a with a piece of paper saying that he's filing a complaint about it, and I think that that shows that they know that this is a precarious position, that it it hasn't been locked in stone quite yet. People are still upset about it, and I think it's very telling that they are basically attacking everyone left, right, and center uh, over the whole. Um, over the whole rank choice voting thing, and that they're using the confusing and complicated apoc rules and regulations to get it done. Um, and uh, I'm I'm interested to see what's going to be happening here. Maybe we'll reach out to uh, Kelly Chewbacca and see what she has to say. Um, and uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what what goes on. The complaint also alleges that Preserve Democracy must register as a ballot measure group because it has allowed Alaskans for Honest Elections, the anti-ranked choice voting group, to gather signatures for its repeal at Preserve Democracy events. Uh, the goal of Alaskans for Honest Elections, which is the other group that he's filed the complaint about, is to gather enough signatures to put the question of keeping the voting system on the ballot. If preserved democracy is required to register as a ballot group, it would be required to both report its contributions and expenditures which are not currently available to the public. Uh this is the, this is just you know some of the continuing uh complaints that are going on here. Um it uh yeah I, this is it's an interesting thing. I mean they are basically following around Kelly Shibaka. they got her quoted in a podcast. They've got her uh, talking about the events. They've got the same thing that they're doing with Art Mathias. They're looking for any little thing that they can do to uh, submarine the efforts to stop ranked choice voting. That above all else should raise some eyebrows for you. That right there. Okay, uh, we're going to continue here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Uh, Brad Keithley's coming up next, the weekly top three. We will return in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Back with more right after this.
1: Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Radio. Okay. Um, all right. Um, good
2: morning. good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, how are you guys all doing? Um, why would I want to pin comments? Most of the comments are best forgotten. Like that one. I just forgot it. Just went in and did the change there. Um, all right. Uh, good morning. It's the chicken and egg conundrum. Brian's counterpoint is there is a segment of the population who panic at everything. See, also the COVID is uh, see. Yeah, I mean, look, I understand. Um, uh, and like I said, it's an it's an unenviable position to decide to do you. Do you blow the horn or don't you blow the horn? You know, if it's a true issue then if you don't, you'll be blamed if it's you know, if it's not quite true, then you it's a damned if you do damned if you don't kind of situation. Um, Anyway, it's uh, it's one of those things. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get down into this here and get things started this morning. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. And we'll uh, get things uh, ready to rock and roll this morning. Hello, sir. How are how are how are you? How
1: are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, Michael. So it's you and Kim Kardashian now, right? Yes. Uh, the YouTube oh, YouTube yeah. moguls. Is yeah. that how this oh, goes? Oh yeah. I'm sure. Me and my.
2: I mean, she could. You know. She could, uh, yeah, no, it's not. It's not me.
1: <laughs> but you made it. You made it. You yeah. made it to the whatever status you well, to Well, and part to. of
2: the reason why I made it, just a little inside baseball, part of the reason that I made it is because they decided to bifurcate their uh, partner program a little bit for smaller YouTubers to be able to give them access to some of the monetization features. Uh, the original goal, the original partner goal is a thousand. And I've been trying to get to a thousand for a long time. And it's been slowly trickling. I mean, you think I got 4,000 people on Facebook that follow me. You think I could get one quarter of them to go over to YouTube anyway? Uh, but they bifurcated the program and said, okay, we'll create a new level 500. And then you get access to just a sprinkling of this stuff. And I'm like, okay, great. And we made it and thankful to the listenership for all that. But yeah, I mean, there's got to be a little bit more engagement from me on YouTube to do that. I'm trying to decide whether or not to remain on Facebook or YouTube. You know, I'm trying to, I'm looking at all the pieces and parts and trying to decide what's best. Is it best to keep splitting the broadcast or is it better to bring all the broadcast together? You know, who knows? I, I don't know. It's a conundrum, but uh <clears throat> being, a, becoming a part of the YouTube Partner Program was, Definitely a step in that direction, the right direction for them, because at least now I have some uh, horsepower. I mean, it's ironic. I I keep getting I keep getting copyright strikes on my shows for Facebook because they say I'm using copyrighted music when I'm not. I'm using music right out of their own library, but they keep muting big sections of the show on Facebook on the replays. And, of course, you can't respond In the part where it says appeal the appeal parts grayed out you can't click on it i've sent i've sent three messages to the to the you just you know you're just a cog in the machine baby they don't care about you they don't care whether you're in the right or not they don't care whether you got proof or not they don't care about any of it all they care about is getting your data so they can sell your data to somebody else
1: that's all it was wasn't it kale green who got who got kicked off facebook at some point um, uh, Rick Rydell's son, Kale Green. And uh he got kicked off Facebook at some point and he kept, you know, filing the appeals and doing what he was supposed to do. He finally went down and sat outside Facebook's headquarters <laughs> to try to get attention to the issue. And one and somebody saw him, and one of one of the friends of a friend of a friend worked in Facebook and finally got it straightened out. But
2: Apparently, again, it's always not what you know or who you know. It's 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 not what you know, it's who you know. Uh, I'm sure. If I had some insight into the people at Facebook, I'd probably have a little better clue. But anyway, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm trying to decide whether or not I should jump ship altogether or, you know, I mean, who knows. It's uh, I may just continue on the way we're going right now. But we're 20 seconds out. Uh, Brad's got the weekly top three. We're ready to get things going on. Uh yes you can send stars. Yes, you can send super chats on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, you can do super chats and super stickers and all that kind of stuff. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh we gotta go. Uh the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Let's do it. okay um good morning welcome back to the program it is the weekly top three right now on the michael duke show brad keithley alaskans for sustainable budgets joins us and we're gonna get down into the weeds we're gonna get down into the weeds on a few things and start talking about uh what's going on good morning brad how are you doing my friend michael i'm doing great today how about you you know, uh, it's it looks like it might clear up a little bit today, which I'm kind of excited about. Maybe we'll actually see that UFO called the Sun. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what that looks like. Um, but let's get on to the weekly top three here. Um, you basically say the Permanent Fund Corporation are they doing a Chicken Little about the Permanent Fund earnings? And of course, you're referencing this article that we talked about earlier or late last week, which was that basically they're saying that the permanent fund earnings reserve will be empty uh, within just a couple of years, which ironically is the same thing that we've been saying here on the program, only, of course, the implication from the ADN and others is it's that pesky PFD that's draining the earnings reserve, not the out of control spending from the legislature, but it's all the PFD's fault. So, I mean, are they crying chicken a little? Let's discuss.
1: Well, there's a little, I think there's a little bit of chicken little going on here and maybe maybe a lot of chicken little. There's two, uh, th- this came up about a month ago at the last uh, Permanent Fund Corporation uh, meeting. Andrew Kitchenman wrote a commentary in the Alaska Beacon that raised the issue. Then it sort of died down and now it's popped back up. Uh, James Brooks wrote an article in the Alaska Beacon, which has been carried in almost all the other papers in the state says the headline is new estimate shows alaska's permanent fund could be out of spendable money in three to four years and um the k2 alaska news source uh, did a little bit different spin on it It said permanent fund earnings could run dry by uh 2026 but generally the theme is that uh, uh, under certain circumstances with uh, low earnings and continued uh, draws at five percent from the Uh, Permanent fund uh, under the uh, the percent of market value program, 5% draws from the permanent fund. With continued low earnings, uh, the permanent fund could uh, run the earnings reserve account, which is where the spendable money is, uh, could run out the and and the consequences would be you know horrific of course that if you're if you're chicken little you want to make the consequences as horrific as they can be no permanent fund dividends reduced spend reduced revenues available for state spending uh uh, that sort of thing here's the problem with all that analysis the permanent fund in in 2020 2020 fy 2020 and fy 22 The legislature in each year, in each of those two years, FY20 and FY22, deposited $4 billion out of the earnings reserve into the permanent fund corpus. Didn't need to do so. There was no statutory requirement to do so. Um, They just took $4 billion in each of those years, so $8 billion total. Each of those years took $8 billion out of the earnings reserve and put it into the permanent fund corpus draining the earnings reserve of that of that $8 billion. Even under the scenarios that the Permanent Fund Corporation is running around with now, if that $8 billion was still in the Permanent Fund in, in the earnings reserve, we'd be fine. We'd be fine for right. a heck of a long time. The, the purpose of, of those deposits, the, the FY20 deposit explicitly said, at the time it was deposited, and the permanent fund carried a footnote that said this for a year or so. Um, the The purpose of it was to prepay uh, uh, inflation proofing. The permanent fund earnings uh, reserve it funds the dividend, funds the uh, the POMV draw, which the dividend is part of the POMV draw. Funds the POMV draw, including the dividend, and a portion of the earnings is is used to to reinvest in the permanent fund corpus. As permanent fund earnings reserve, so the first four billion dollars that went out in FY20 was described as a prepayment of of
2: of, of inflation proofing. Now, wait, I thought that POMV was supposed to eliminate inflation proofing. Wasn't that part well, of the deal? Or
1: no, it makes it auto. It 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 almost makes it automatic. But they still have to deposit uh, the portion that is due for inflation proofing back into back into the corpus. What it does is limit the draw to the real rate of return uh, and leave the portion of the draw, uh, leave the portion that is in the earnings reserve for inflation proofing in the earnings reserve. And then it needs to be deposited back into the permanent fund corporation or into into the corpus. Um, But so $4 billion in FY20 was described as inflation proofing. And then the additional $4 billion that was in FY22 wasn't described as inflation proofing, but there was no statutory requirement to make that deposit. And so it is, you can, you should also, or you can also view it as a prepayment of inflation proofing. If we use those as prepayments for inflation proofing, we don't have a problem until FY28, FY29. If you don't, if you don't draw, a portion of the earnings reserve out, the cash in the earnings reserve over to the permanent fund corpus for inflation proofing, Uh, the the money, that money stays in uh, the permanent fund earnings reserve and is available for distribution in accordance with the earnings reserve. And that's what they set up uh, the the prepayment in FY20 and uh, and then the $4 billion in FY22 uh, to do. What they're doing now, I mean, what the Permanent Fund Corporation is doing, and I think BERT is part of this, uh, what the Permanent Fund Corporation is just acting as if those didn't happen, and that $8 billion extra that got deposited into the, into the corpus is theirs now. It's not to be treated as a pre-funding of anything. It's just part of the corpus now. Thank you very much. Uh, by the way, you still owe us for inflation proofing in all the subsequent years because we're not treating it as prepayment. Um, of inflation proofing, and if you do that, if you take out eight billion dollars, and you don't treat it as prepayment of inflation proofing, and you continue to have to pay inflation proofing in the subsequent years, then yeah, you got you got a problem. But that's not that's not the way this was set up. The eight billion dollars is there to to act as as a, as prepayment of inflation proofing. What I think's going on is is this is part of that drive that old drive you remember back in the walker administration and it pops up occasionally if we get to 100 billion dollars in the permanent fund we never have to worry again the pomv draw will fund government we no don't have taxes we don't have a pfd but we but we the top 20 percent never have to worry again and i think this i think what they've now decided to do or what they're what they're now treating this eight billion dollars as is a deposit toward the hundred billion dollars as opposed to treating it for what it was at the time that that the legislature voted on it at least in fy 20 at the time the the purpose of it being to to prepay inflation so there's a there's a and and you find none of this in the articles right right you find none of this discussion in the articles either in the the in 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 the beacon or in uh, uh matt buxton's uh blog uh, alaska memo or in the uh k2 uh, uh the channel 2 uh, uh news site you don't you find any of that it's just like it's suddenly dis- it's like eight billion dollars went into the mist and suddenly disappeared and well yeah we're not we're not we're gonna we're not gonna worry about that again i gotta be honest with you this feels very much
2: like and there's been a lot of discussion amongst people that i talk with about how this was basically kind of an orchestrated crisis that Burt knew what he was doing when he transferred the $8 billion over there. Sure, marking it as whatever, but now it's out of reach of the earnings reserve. And so there is no, you know, it's like artificially creating the crisis to say now there's pressure on the PFD. It's all part of eliminating the dividend in the long run it's an attack on the dividend. Yeah. Look at every article, every article talks about that the out of control dividend spending is what's creating this pressure on the perm- on the earnings reserve,
1: not the out of control spending of the legislature itself. Well, and it's really neither. I mean, i it, you we can argue about whether it's the out of control spending some will say it's the out of control dividend, but it's really neither. It's it's treating this 8 billion dollars which certainly could get us through the rest of the decade even under the low ball scenarios that the permanent fund corporation's talking about now, it's, treat- it's suddenly disappearing. This eight billion dollars out of the out of a out of treatment as prepayment of permanent fund earnings or uh, of of inflation proofing. Here's here's the the deal. This issue do- isn't coming to a head now. It isn't coming. It hasn't come to a head in the past. It's up to each legislature when they appropriate uh, whether or not they appropriate. Uh, money out of the Permanent Fund Earnings Reserve into the Permanent Fund Corpus. So going forward, the real test is going to be, will future legislatures treat that $8 billion as as the prepayment of inflation proofing and and thus not have to double dip and contribute an additional amount of inflation proofing uh, out of earnings going forward, as I say, for literally the rest of the decade, or will future legislat- legislatures ignore that prepayment treat it as a contribution a unilateral contribution to the corpus and and still contribute additional money out uh, of inf- for inflation proofing going forward that's it's up to future legislatures re- whether whether this is really a crisis if they ignore if they ignore the prepayment if they don't treat that money as a prepayment then yeah we're going to walk right into a crisis but if they treat it consistent, if they treat that $8 billion consistent with what uh, with what the original purpose was, at least in FY 20, if they treat it consistent with that, uh, then we don't have a crisis. It's it's we're going to be well, we're going to be we're going to be fine through the rest, rest of the decade.
2: And the subtext of this whole thing, and it's been mentioned in almost every article that I've read about this, is that this goes back to them then suggesting that the real solution to this, of course, is combining the ERA And the corpus of the fund, thereby making it all kumbaya and everything else, which to me is very dangerous because then it literally, since they're all conjoined, the POMV law would then be, then it could be eating into the fund in the future. It could be eating into the corpus of the fund through that POMV draw. And that is the danger point. I think maybe that was the ultimate intent. Uh, to try and push that ideal so that they can get bigger access to the fund itself. I mean, I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts?
1: Well, it it would be. I mean, what they've talked about is is a constitutional amendment as the solution to this that the that the Permanent Fund Corporation Board has proposed is a constitutional amendment that would constitutionalize POMB would combine the two funds and constitutionalize POMB. Now, here's the key to that. If they, if they allowed the draw rate, the POMV rate to be set by statute, so that, for example, it wouldn't have to be 5%, the legislature could say 10%, 20%, 3%. If they allow that to be set by statute, then there's going to be a problem. If they set that in stone at 5%, there's also a problem if they set it in stone at 5%. The, 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 real, the real problem that we've got is we're out of savings. I mean, we've used up in the 20 teens, we used up the statutory budget reserve, we we've, we've almost we're almost entirely through the the constitutional budget reserve. We have no savings. We have no flexibility, and and the earnings reserve account is sort of the last savings that we've got. It's not really supposed to be savings, but it's sort of the last flexible cash account uh, that we've got. And if we lock it away by combining the two um, uh, uh, funds, the, the the corpus and the ERA, combine the two funds and say you can only touch it in this manner through the POMB draw, if we lock it away, if we ever hit a true crisis in this state, we're not going to have a spare cash account to go to. We've, we've, we've drained them all. Uh, this this generation has drained them all. We've left future generations with nothing to go to. So the, the real problem with combi- to me, the real problem with combining the two is is the lack of flexibility that creates in our fiscal structure. Uh, going forward, if we had a if we had an earthquake uh, that you know did damage in in significant parts of the state, if we had a rupture to the pipeline that took out the revenue revenue flow from the pipeline, uh, like we did uh, uh, back in the early two thousands when when there were problems on Prudhoe and and they shut down the Prudhoe field, if we had if we had any sort of disruption like those and we've closed off the earnings reserve account. We've closed off that cash account to use as an emergency fund. We're cooked. I mean, we've got, we've got no place to go for additional cash. So um, it, that to me is the, is the real significant problem created by combining those two accounts and restricting the draw to, uh, uh, to, a, to a percentage focus, but uh, a percentage level, but we, but we don't need to be going there. I mean, it is, it's a man-made, it's a BERT made, um, uh, 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 Permanent Fund Corporation board created problem by how they're treating that eight billion dollars. That eight billion dollars, if you treat it the consistent with the way that that the original FY20 deposit was made, and we've only used a little, even with high inflation, we've only used a little over two billion uh, of that of that of the original four billion dollar uh, deposit. Uh, the, the, if if we treat that as now locked away and and not to be treated for not to be treated as a prepayment. Then, then we're running ourselves into a problem. But it's up to it's up to future legislatures to decide how that how that eight billion dollars is treated. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable
2: Budgets, uh, the weekly top three. Let's uh, get a tease for number two, Brad. Uh,
1: number two is who pays for K through twelve. We we now have uh, an editorial from this weekend from the ADN, the uh, the Binkley family blog that talks about. Uh, how the governors failed, failing the state on, on his veto of uh, of the additional K through 12 spending that was that was passed by the legislature. We in fact have the governor talking about the need for additional K through 12 spending uh, in an interview he did with uh, with another TV station. Um, everybody's talking about we need to spend more for K through 12. Nobody's talking about who pays for for that. Well, the ADN article does uh, talks about who pays for that. That's the that's an issue that we need to be focused on.
2: Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, the weekly top three continues. We got uh, more coming up. We will talk about number two and number three in the next segment. Maybe we'll bleed it over into the next one. We'll see what happens. Back with more. Don't go anywhere. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more right after this.
0: Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show.
2: Okay, Brad Keithley, our guest, uh, The Michael Duke Show uh the weekly top three i mean brad at some point you got to realize i mean it to me i look at it and go "Ooh, they're trying to do uh they're it it's all it's all on purpose i mean like it's like you know at some point you got to go this is machiavellian i mean this is like uh this is like it's all on purpose and you got to know what's going on
1: uh that this is what they're trying to do i mean what what say you well yeah it is on purpose i mean i mean the four billion dollar uh the contribution in in FY20 the con- the four billion dollar contribution FY22 those were certainly on purpose. Uh, the the one when the legislature passed the one in FY20 it was explicitly for uh, pre funding that was that was you know the intent of it. And now it's just disappeared. Now it's not treated that way anymore, and that's certainly on purpose. Somebody's somebody's decided that uh, that uh, they'll take out the footnote and they'll just you know suddenly that eight billion dollars is is all all the permanent fund corporations as opposed to being a as opposed to being a prepayment on, on future obligations. I mean, these footnotes are interesting. You you remember that in 2017, we had a footnote in all of the fiscal summaries uh, up until 2017 that described the permanent fund dividend as as dedicated funds, right? As designated funds, designated funds for the permanent fund dividend, and thus not combined with, with unrestricted general funds. In 2017, and there was always a footnote in the fiscal summaries that that described it that way. In 2017, ledge finance took out that footnote, and all of a sudden we diverted the the revenues that were used for the permanent fund dividend that have been treated as designated all these years, took those revenues and put them over into UGF and said nothing oh, can be spent on anything. And it was and it was the footnote, the ch- the change in the footnote that 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 really rationalized what the legislature was doing. Then they said, oh, it's just UGF. I mean. Yeah, right. It's always been it's always been UGF. Now we've got a change in a footnote in the in the history and projections uh, that uh, the Permanent Fund Corporation puts out for a year and a half. It it said the FY20, FY20 funds were for um, uh, for prepayments for inflation proofing. Now, you know the footnote disappears. Now all of a sudden, that's our money. It's in the permanent fund corpus. It's always been permanent fund corpus, and and yeah, you you still owe us all the inflation proofing in in the future years, right? Um, and and by the way, that's going to create a create a problem in all sorts, and and we need to do all sorts of things to to, to deal with that. I, it's, yeah. these footnotes are are key, uh, and we just got people you know just unilaterally changing them, uh, and and re redesignating uh funds the the purpose of funds and the use of funds and the availability of funds uh by just uh, deleting these footnotes so it it is on purpose it,
2: it is, is on purpose. it is on purpose it's a, you know they're all doing it on purpose and they're all in it together uh it's kind of i'm getting to i used to have a one of my listeners who was a little bit more hardcore gave me a button that said that one time and i thought well that's a little paranoid but now i'm getting more and more to the belief that they're they're all in it together and they're all doing it on purpose kind of thing. You know, that
1: there is a method to this madness. And, and, and it's not, I mean, the administration could point this out. It's not, it's not just, I guess it's not just Burt's, not just the permanent fund corporation, the administration could say, no, those funds are there for, as a prepayment for inflation proofing. We will continue to submit our budget in future years, treat them as a prepayment for inflation proofing, not ask for an appropriation for right. inflation proofing from the earnings well, reserve. The governor could have and, vetoed it, right? I mean, he could have vetoed the transfer. Well, is that right? Remember, he did, remember he did, and he and he and he crossed, and they crossed out the wrong thing. Maybe that was on purpose too. If you want to get a, you got want to get into a real conspiracy theory, then maybe maybe the mistake the governor made. But remember, he he did strike through the the four billion dollars in FY twenty two, or try to strike through the four billion dollars in FY twenty two transfer and keep that in the earnings reserve, but. They didn't. They didn't strike through the right thing, or they struck it wrong, and and um, uh, and and so you know. Then the issue was, well, is that four billion dollars going to be made? Uh, and the governor uh, uh, gave up and said, yeah, sure, go let that four billion dollars go as a as a prepayment. But now, now suddenly, it's not a prepayment payment anymore. So it's it, the 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 changing treatment of funds. The changing treatment of funds, the changing treatment of of the permanent fund earnings that were designated for the permanent fund dividend, the changing treatment of these funds that went into the permanent fund corpus uh, that were originally designated for prepayment for inflation proofing, the changing purpose of those funds once they once they get in somebody's pocket, the changing purpose of the funds is 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 key to creating a lot of the problems that that we've got in the state. And that's that's not being done by That's not being done obviously by, by legislation, legislative action. They didn't, they didn't pass legislation that says we're going to redesignate permanent fund, permanent fund earnings going from the dividend to to UGF. It's, uh, it's
2: interesting to watch this whole thing. It's interesting. And then the governor, then there was another billion, billion dollars transferred in FY24 on top of everything else. This whole thing is, all right. Well, we're gonna come back to it. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Like and share, like and follow. Let's uh, let's let's do it right now. Here we go.
0: The Michael Duke Show, seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <clears throat> pinch of intellect. <laughs> Sorry, that is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. Yes, yes it is.
2: Uh pinch of something or other. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, comes on board to share with us today. We're in the weekly top three. We're on to number two, which is talking about K-12 uh, spending and the funding and who actually pays. Um, come on down, Brad. What? Who, who is actually <laughs> paying for the K-12? Let's talk about it.
1: Well, it there was a there was an ADN uh, op-ed uh, week over the weekend uh, that says the curious that's headlined the curious case of Dunleavy's education vetoes, and it goes through the governor's vetoing of half the increase for K through twelve spending passed by the legislature, and argues and says the governor hasn't explained why he did it, and uh, there's no good reason why he why he would have done these vetoes and hasn't explained that it wasn't necessary for you know to for for any particular purpose and 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 the purpose of the editorial is to argue that that uh, the full amount of the veto or the full amount of the of the appropriation should have gone through the governor shouldn't veto it and, uh, and and at least should explain why he did but there's a but there's a sentence in there that that stands out to me like a sore thru- sore thumb um it says, the only hint of an explanation offered by a spokesperson was that Dunleavy recognizes that schools need to address inflationary pressures while still preserving general fund dollars. A rationale that holds very little water, given the governor's signing of some of the largest budgets Alaska has seen, bloated by unsustainable permanent fund dividend draws that have left the state's major accessible savings account in danger of being drained in just a few years. Yeah. Now that's <laughs> false.
0: That's false. <laughs>
1: I mean, <laughs> what... it's the permanent fund's
2: fault—that evil permanent fund—you leeches on society.
1: Clearly, clearly indicating, clearly following the the ADN's theme that that permanent fund dividends need to be cut to pay for spending. Uh, middle and lower income Alaska families need to pay for uh, for spending and uh, for K th- for K through twelve and for all other spending for that matter. Um, and the top 20 percent need to be, you know, need to continue to be the top 20 percent, which includes the Binkley family that owns the ADN. The top 20 percent needs to be, you know, continue to get off the hook by not having to contribute to the costs uh, of government. We, it's all the all the permanent fund dividends doing, and we need to just cut the permanent fund, take the pocket, take the money out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families to pay for this stuff. That's bad. I mean, that it's consistent with what the ADN has done in the past, but it's bad. They're saying. This editorial and any number of editorials going back to when the Binkley family <laughs> acquired the ADN says, well, and even before, says that uh, uh, middle and lower income Alaska families need to be, it, state government needs to be funded on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families. Top 20% shouldn't have to have to contribute. That's the theme of all these editorials. The The interesting add-on to this is, a, is an interview that the governor did uh, with the uh, youralaskalink.com, which I, used to be Channel Five, but maybe some other channel now. Right, and and it was an exclu- it says exclusive interview. Your Alaska Link talks with Governor Dunleavy on public school funding uh, and more. And the governor sort of responds to the criticism of of his veto by saying, "Look, I am supporting increased uh, state spending, um, uh, and it's but it's but I want to do it in on my terms, and it's, and it's encapsulated in HB 106. HB 106, which is the governor's bill to pay pay bonuses based upon how long people how long teachers stay in the state, pay bonuses to teachers for continuing to stay in Alaska. It's his way of addressing what's what some say is the teacher crisis, the the fact that we're having teachers leaving the state. It's his way of addressing that. the 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 legislature wants to address it through you know more an increase in the BSA. Giving that money to the school districts and hoping the school districts use it in a way that retains teachers. The governor wants to pinpoint a solution and say we want it, we need to appropriate money uh, to to give it to the teachers directly as bonuses for staying, and and that will that that's his way of addressing the teacher crisis. But here's the deal: even in the governor's interview and even in HB 106, his bill, he doesn't address who pays um, uh, for uh, for that additional spending. Uh, that he's that he's proposing, and it certainly isn't covered by tr- from traditional revenues. It certainly isn't covered from oil revenues and from uh, the 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 fifty percent of the POMB earnings uh, that the governor takes the position ought to be going to the PFD or or whatever share of earnings ought to be going to the PFD. It's not it's it's not covered. That additional spending is not covered by it. So where is it going to come from? If there isn't any additional revenue source for it, any any incremental revenue source for it, it's going to come from increased PFD cuts. It's going to come on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families. So, but but he doesn't talk about that. The interviewers don't talk about that. The ADN doesn't talk about that. As we as we talked about in last week's in last week's you know top three, who pays is as important an issue fiscal issue as what. Is what you're spending the money on? Who pays for it? uh, It affects the 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 economic impact uh, of of the uh, of of the of the revenues. It affects the fairness of the revenues. It affects the impact on on poverty levels. It affects the impact on on middle income Alaska families whether they have more or less revenue to uh, to sustain uh, to maintain their lifestyle in the state. It has an impact across the board. Who pays these? Additional costs uh, is every bit the equal of of what you're spending the additional money on. Yet the ADN ignores the impact of what they're arguing. They ignore the fact that that their argument shifts the cost to middle and lower income Alaska family has the largest adverse impact on the overall Alaska economy of any of the revenue options. And the governor is just ignoring it entirely. Not right. not talking about not talking about who pays. He certainly he certainly hasn't revived the discussion even of a sales tax that he had uh, in the latter days of the session uh, earlier. So it's it's an issue that needs to be addressed and it's not being addressed, not being asked about, not being discussed by the people who need to be discussing. it. Because the people who are actually paying
2: are lower and middle income Alaskans and the kids in the future. That's who's paying for this, is future generations of Alaskans. Yep. Well, current generation of Alaskans and future yeah. generations of Alaskans. Uh, number three, uh, the DOR, the DOR commissioner vanishing overnight, quietly in the night. Uh, no real answer, no real discussion. You're thinking that there may be more evidence of politicization. we got about two and a half minutes here.
1: Yes, tax director, uh, 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 the uh the tax director was the one that disappeared in the middle of the night. Uh, Tim Bradner has an article uh, this past week in The Frontiersman, uh, former state director, tax director asked to leave reasons unclear. And it just provides a little more context to the issue we discussed in last week's program, which is is, is Adam Crum politicizing the Department of Revenue. Is he, is he getting rid of people who question uh, oil industry uh, uh, tax issues Legitimately question oil industry tax issues, getting rid of them in order to put in people who favor uh, favor the industry and in, in furtherance of Crum's of career. And this this article adds a little more context to it. What I'm really surprised this issue this issue is every bit as as important to the state revenue as Angela Rodell as the Angela Rodell issue was. The, the Angela Rodell issue was is that is the governor is the administration politicizing the permanent fund by by using its uh, appointees on the permanent fund board to get rid of angela rodell big issue had an investigation it still it still resonates out there as, a, as an issue that's that's really unresolved this issue uh of getting rid of colleen glover uh and and brian Fector before her brian fecker was the deputy uh revenue commissioner colleen is the was the state tax commissioner uh state tax director this issue is every bit as important to Alaska Revenue as Angela Rodell was, but it's not getting the attention that the Angela Rodell issue got, um, and, and, and that's bothersome because we're, if, if, we, if, we're, if we're getting a politicized Department of Revenue, if Adam Crum is politicizing the Department of Revenue in furtherance of his political career, we've got a very serious problem there, and, and we need to keep focused on it uh, and, and not let it just fade off into the mist.
2: Well, I know that you're going to be watching it and going to be paying attention to it. Unfortunately, we're not mainstream media, so probably won't. A lot of people won't hear about it, nor were they able hear about uh, the K-12 funding issue or many of the other things that we talk about. It's unfortunate, but the mainstream media apparently not doing their job continuously. Um, uh, you know, that that's part of the problem, I think, is they're just not doing their job. Like you said, you don't hear about the fight, the 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 details of it you hear what the press release said and they regurgitate it and that's about it it's a frustrating situation brad keithley alaskans for sustainable budgets thank you my friend appreciate you coming on board
1: michael as always thanks for having me
2: out of time for this hour back with more hour two dead ahead the michael duke show common sense radio looks like you lost bill you're going to have to uh you're going to have to pay up bill bill was bill was betting that you were going to mention middle and lower income alaskan family seven times during the segment and you missed it by one um but i mean look you know brad we've been harping on this thing for a while and there's been some accusations of saying well brad's just engaging in class warfare if uh, that's what it is you're trying to the haves and the have but the bottom line, I guess, is if it was untrue, I guess you could say that it was class warfare. But the problem is, is that it it's true. I mean, that's that's exactly what ITEP said. That's what the ICER reports have said. That's what the – that this is where the impact lies. Uh, does it – because you pointed out, does it make it any less true? Does it make it any more like, uh
1: you know, the, the, the class warfare thing? What do you say? Michael, there is class warfare in this state there is but it's by the top 20% against middle and lower income alaska families i mean look at the adn the adn run by the binkley family very comfortably living binkley family the adn repeatedly says we ought to pay for this stuff through pfd cuts and and you know if the pfd disappears so what we ought we ought to we ought to continue to fund government we ought to continue to grow government k through 12 university uh, defined benefits for uh, for state employees. We ought to continue to grow government, but we but we ought to do it on uh, through PFD cuts. Well, what's what's the one thing that's unique about PFD cuts? Matt Berman of ICER told us in a, in an ADN op-ed, uh, independent op-ed uh, a few months ago. He said it is the most regressive tax ever. And, and and what it does, unlike a, more than sales taxes, more than any regressive tax you can come up with, it shifts the burdens to the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families. So when somebody talks about PFD cuts, when somebody says we ought to fund this stuff with PFD cuts, they know what they're doing. They know where the impact is. And and when the ADN talks about using the PFD PFD reductions as a way to funding government that the PFDs are bloated; they're too much. Uh, you, you, we, we need that money for government. They know what they're doing. They know who they're taking it from. There is class warfare in this state, and it's be, but it's being practiced by the top twenty percent against middle and lower income Alaska families. And middle and lower and middle and lower in, uh, Alaska families just say, "Well, that's okay. yeah. PFD, take our PFD. Who cares?" Well, okay. Even even if you think that's fair to take your PFD that approach that revenue measure has the largest adverse impact on the overall alaska economy are you saying it's okay right when you when you when you when you say it's okay take my pfd are you saying it's okay that we use the measure that has the largest adverse impact on the overall alaska economy i yeah it may be okay for you but it's not okay if you're concerned about the alaska economy and you're concerned about the condition of middle and lower income alaska families And those who are advocating using PFD cuts as a way of funding government are engaged in class warfare against middle and lower income Alaska families. Thank you, Bill, for the hundred stars. I appreciate that,
2: Bill. He's like, I was under by one and now you've said it four more times. And so, (laughs) but I mean, the point is this, the point is it is the most regressive tax. It does have an impact. Whether you uh, you know whether you like it or not, whether you agree with a discussion that's based on you know the classes or the or income levels, the bottom line is like you said, even if those people throw their hands up and say, "Well, take the PFD and don't tax me," the bottom line is it's still the most regressive form of tax, and it still has the largest adverse impact on the economy as a as a whole. And that's what that's what every news outlet and everything else seems to be missing is that part of it is that the impact on the private economy. Is huge. When you take a billion dollars out of the private economy and it doesn't get spent, uh, or saved, or invested, that is
1: a huge problem. Well, it's a it's a billion and a half. Uh, is is the impact of the PFD cut in FY '24, and and it and it is spent, but it's spent as as manipulated as decided by twenty one plus eleven plus one. Is decided by what is that 32, 33 people, the majority of the House, the majority of the Senate, plus the governor signing signing the appropriations bill. Instead of the, instead of the impact being decided by six hundred and thirty five thousand Alaskans in their homes with their kids making the decision on on how to spend how to spend that money uh, that they receive that they receive as their share of the wealth of the state's uh, mineral wealth, instead of being decided by six hundred thirty five thousand Alaskans as in a capitalist society in a capitalist system we want the decisions to be made by individuals instead of that that money that billion and a half was is is directed according to the whims and fancies of 21 plus 11 plus 1 33 people are deciding are deciding how to spend that billion and a half as opposed to 650 635,000 right. Alaska families so it's it, it's alaskans it is i mean we're we're <laughs> People say the PFD is socialist. No, the PFD is capitalist. It puts puts money in the hands of individuals to decide how to what to spend it on, what goods and and services are important to them. Well, Hammond said it was one of the most capitalistic things because
2: it, it offset your loss of of your royalty or your mineral rights and it put the money in the economy. That's what he was talking about on that as well. Less than a minute.
1: Well, and when somebody says, I don't want the money it's it's fine i don't need the money well you're, you're the money's going to be spent it's just going to be spent by 33 people as opposed to you deciding how you spend your share of the money it's going to be spent by government by 33 people deciding where it goes 33 people influenced yeah. by lobbyists yep. deciding where it goes
2: and if you're a family of four they just spent thirteen thousand dollars on your behalf have a nice day that was you know instead of you deciding where that money goes Uh, All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate it. Always good stuff. Always. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. All right, folks, we got to go. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Again, Bill, thank you. Thank you for the stars. Here we go.
0: Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out themichaeldukeshow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live across
2: the world on the Internet at com, and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Thank you for coming in and joining us. It is hour two of The Michael Dukes Show. We just finished up with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets uh who has come on board to share with us the weekly top three and some interesting discussions coming out of that. One of the things that we keep hearing about, uh, and it was a kind of a running joke in the chat room, was the um <clears throat> was the discussion of uh, you know, this kind of idea of class warfare that Brad's constantly talking about, the top 20% and uh, middle and lower income Alaskan families and So I asked him during the break, I mean, you know, what, what, what's your answer to this thing about class warfare? Because the thing is, if it's true, is it really, I mean, if it's, if it's true, are we really jetting something up artificial if what he's saying is actually true? I mean, the lower and middle income Alaskans are the ones that are most affected by the taking of the PFD. The, um, the push um, for, you know, the push for all this pay is really, is literally coming mostly from those who are in the top 20%. And so is it, uh, is it wrong to point that out or is that the wrong tactic to point it out? Is that too offensive to people? Um, and I, I would say no, um, you know, no other really news media outlet or, or, you know, current affairs program in Alaska is really talking about it from that perspective. We're the only one that's really kind of talking about it from that perspective. And I, I mean, I, I agree with the, well, I agree with the tactic because you've got to point it out to people. You've got to show them that this is really what's happening. I mean, the Matt Berman article, the professor from the university who basically said that that PFD is the most regressive form of tax that there is. You know, the idea that you're taking these monies from the people who can least afford it to prop up government and to continue the runaway spending. I mean, this look, this is all a trickle down from the politician's disease. That's this whole thing is a trickle down from the politician's disease. The politician's disease is, for those of you who are new to the program and have never heard me talk about it, um, the politician's disease is that we know better than you how to spend your money, or how to raise your kids, or how to educate your kids, or how to take care of X, Y, or Z. That is the politician's disease is overwhelming hubris that somehow they are anointed by God to figure out exactly how to do. They like somehow they know better than us plebeians how to get it done. Sometimes they say it out loud. Well, this is a very complicated issue and we appreciate your four and a half hours of testimony with 90% of you being opposed, but we're going to do it this way because we know better. I mean, literally, we've had legislators say that after hearings on certain topics and everything else, and they just go, well, I, you know, this whole thing is a trickle down from that mindset that we know better than you how to spend the money, but by God, we shouldn't have to pay for it. We'll pay for it with all this free money that we're sick and tired of giving to you. And that's part of the problem. And it's been part of the problem in this country for many, many years. This is not strictly an Alaska problem. Again, we don't normally dive into national politics too much, but let's just for a second take it up to the national stage and take a look at what's been going on there for years. We have a nouveau riche nobility class in America. And it is our politicians. They are the new nobility. That's, I mean, that's just, there's just no two ways about it. I mean, they get in, they're almost guaranteed to be there for life unless they get caught with their pants down or something like that. Uh, I mean, you know, Strom Thurmond and Byrd and and Don Young and, uh, you know, Zell Miller, all these guys who spent their entire adult life, 30, 40, 50 years, in there making, making deals and making, uh, uh, and and making decisions and then looking you in the eye. And this happened to me with Don Young looking at me in the eye and just basically say, well, you just don't understand. We make those decisions for a reason. You mean you overspend, you spend more than we take in. We're borrowing. What was Maya McGinnis yesterday, uh, that I was talking about that article. Um, Maya McGinnis, uh, from the citizens for responsible budgets, Uh, with their breakdown of what's going on, that we've borrowed $1.7 trillion. We are borrowing $56 billion a day. $56 billion a day this country is borrowing to keep propping up what's failing. This excessive spending. But they look at you and they say, well, but we know better than you. Oh, and by the way, Brian's right. And most of them are becoming fabulously wealthy along the way. There was a book out, I don't know, probably, I guess, 20, time is just flying by. I can't believe I've lived down in South Central for 10 years now. It must have been 20 years ago. There was a book out where they analyzed the, I don't remember if that was John Fund or not. I can't remember who the author of it was. But basically, they analyzed everybody who was currently in Congress, and they looked at their history, and they looked at where they came from, and they, you know, and, and you looked at most of these people, and they went in there with a median, moderate income and net worth, and within just a handful of years, they were all millionaires. All of them. All of them were multi-millionaires. How does that happen? it is the new nobility and the, uh, the so alaska is just a snapshot of exactly what's happening <clears throat> excuse me exactly what's happening at the national level it is the politician's disease that they know better than us how to do it that they'll also have no problem lining their pockets when they want to do it. i mean Gary Stevens, who is, I think at this point, the longest serving senator in the state, he's been in there for 26, maybe now, 24, 26 years, been in the legislature. He was hell bent for election on making sure that that legislature, that legislator pay increase went through. Why? Why? Well, because rumor has it that he's only going to be here through this next election cycle, and then he's done. He spends almost all of it. Apparently, he has a place in Hawaii, and he spends all of his off time there and everything. He was damned, just bound and determined, because, and since he's been here for 20 plus, 22, 23, 25, however many years it's been that he's been serving in the legislature, he has access to the retirement. And that tier one retirement is based on your highest three years of earnings. So if you go from making $55,000 a year to $89,000 a year, and now we're basing your retirement on 60% of your highest three years of earning, guess what? Well, your earning goes way up. Your retirement, I mean, because your retirement plus your benefits plus your per diem, You're making $125,000 a year or whatever. Now, I don't think per diem counts towards retirement, but even at $89,000, you're going to live on 60% of that. You're going to make $50,000 a year for the rest of your life. That's great for them. Meanwhile, the rest of us are hurting because they keep taking the monies to spend on programs that they deem appropriate. And I think what Brad said earlier is a perfect example. Do you want 33 people, the 21 in the House, the 11 in the Senate, and the governor, deciding how to spend your money in the form of your portion of the permanent fund that they keep taking, or would it be better spent by you? I don't think it's class warfare to point that out. I don't think – and this is the same thing that Rob – I mean, this ties into what Rob Myers has been talking about, which is that disconnect, that disconnect between the public and the private economy where the the legislature is beginning to just not care what happens in the private economy as long as – The permanent fund is protected. The earnings reserves are there, and they're getting money from the earnings and from the permanent fund itself. They're all okay with whatever happens in the private economy. They don't care. Because the average person. has really no say. They have no, it's out of sight, out of mind. The average Alaskan is just kind of noodling along, oh, it's all just fine and, and, and everything else. Meanwhile, they're taking all the royalties, all the revenues, and then that additional 25% that was supposed to go back to engage Alaskans is now all being consumed. And so this entire amount of stealth stealth taxes are being put on Alaskans, but because they don't see it, they're like, okay, fine, take the permanent fund, but don't tax me, bro. You know, again, this whole thing, yes, it is class warfare. But pointing it out does not demean it. The fact is, is that it's class warfare being waged on middle and lower income Alaska families and nobody else is talking about it you know with this new raise this with this new raise that the legislature is getting most people don't realize with that new raise it firmly plants the entire legislature into that top 20 percentile category that that, that it truly is it truly does make them a new nobility Class. Our overlords are doing well for themselves. <sighs> Something, Dukes. You're winding up. You're hashing my mellow, bro. Sorry. I, I just, you know, it, it's just so frustrating to look at our news media outlets in the state, and nobody is digging deeper into these issues. They take the press release at face value, they paraphrase the pe- the press release, and that's the news story. There's no give and take. There's no one side, the other side. There's just very little of that. And the biases are so obvious. I mean, again, this Binkley article where they basically say, you know, the governor's talking about the vetoes and everything else, and he says the rationale holds very little water Uh, Since the governor has been signing some of the largest budgets Alaska has seen bloated by an unsustainable permanent fund dividend draw. It's only unsustainable because the legislature can't live within its means. Do we have a revenue problem or do we have a spending problem? That has been a question that I have been asking for 20 years and the answer is we used to only really have a spending problem but we've had a spending problem for so long now we have both a spending and a revenue problem because we've created a dependency on that government spending that's that's the that's the bottom line okay well i guess we're going to try and <clears throat> I guess we're going to try and make things right. We're going to try and uh, brighten up our day a little bit. we got a bit of positivity. The Betterment segment's coming up. Chris Story, the man from Homer. We will continue the Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thing and radio. Back with more right after this.
0: The Michael Dukes Show. Bum, 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 bum. Why not take a quick break? Be right back. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukeshow.com.
2: Oh. Trying not to get wound up. Trying not to get wound up at all. You know, you know you know how it is. Just trying not to uh Trying not to be there. All right, let me uh, reach out to Chris Story and see if we can get him on the phone before we get going along too too. Hey, look at that. It actually worked. All right. Good morning, Michael. Hello, sir. How are you? This is you trying not to get wound up. I like it. Yeah. No, I'm trying not to. I mean, I could get really agitated real quick. (laughs) Um, I mean, I could set a record if I wasn't too careful. Watch it,
3: kids! Or I'll turn this radio
2: show around right now. Exactly, I will turn this thing around, and you will not like where it's going. Um, What? uh, So, so help me, Chris Story. Help help me, Ob Ob Chris Story. You're my only hope. What? uh, What? What's what's the deal? What's the dealio today? What is the topic for today? Give me that uh, that that big thing here. Oh say, can you see? Oh say, can you see? Uh, okay. All right. Well, we got that. We got that going on. All right. Well, I'm going to put you on hold here for just a second. Don't go anywhere. I could, you, you can still hear me. I can't hear you now. So hopefully you're not swearing or anything, but let me go back to the, uh, let me go back to the chat room here to see what, uh, everybody else has got to say here before I go too far. Um, Willie has been commenting on YouTube. Uh Ste- Stevens and Hoffman are both tier one, says Willie. Um Stevens and Hoffman don't live in their district, so where is the attorney general in an investigation? That's not a that a bad question. Not a bad question. Um it, it it is it is as if the powers that be are pushing the majority of people further towards poverty. Says uh, Jeannie. Um, unfortunately, the people haven't continued to keep Democrats and moderate conservatives in state offices until this changes. The PFD will be up for grabs. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I don't think they're even moderate conservatives. Do you? I mean, I think that it's a. I think it's a flag of convenience. You, if you're familiar with that term, I think that's what we've got going on in the legislature. We've got the flag of convenience happening right here. Um. Let's see. Uh, Jack says he enjoys listening to Brad. Good thing. Good, Jack. Good to see you. Um, Jeffrey Coghill, uh, yes, because back to Jeannie's comment about how they're pushing us towards poverty. says, yes, we must keep the serfs scrambling for a living so they don't pay attention to what the lords are doing. Eventually, the serfs arrives at their door with pitchforks and torches. Yeah, or with their handout, right? That's the other thing. Uh, you know that that's that's the whole deal um <clears throat> uh didn't more of the same ski criticize kelly for wanting to get on the gravy train yeah that was uh, there was some irony in that situation right there i will tell you that for sure um it's largely a spending problem says jeremy i mean i think Uh, Originally, it was all a spending problem. The whole thing was a spending problem. But it has gone on so long and we've created so much infrastructure and dependency on this government spending. Now it has become both a spending and a revenue problem. Um, Chris Story will get our mellow back on track. That's, That's true. Dependency is the arc of communism, says Donna. She's also not wrong. Historically, that's where it's going on. Uh, am I the only one posting a comment on YouTube this morning? Not another single comment. Well, you got a bunch of people out there with you. There's another 20 people uh, hanging out, 15 people hanging out with you on YouTube right now. I don't know. They're all just very quiet. Very quiet. Um, all right. Let's uh, continue ahead. Chris Story is our guest. We're getting ready to jump into this. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based Free thinking radio. Like it share. Like and follow. Do all the YouTube stuff and all that kind of jazz. Let's uh let's get it going on, shall we? Here uh here we go. Uh running back. Oops, I gotta push this. Here we go. There we go. Now see, I pushed the right button that time. Let's jump into it. Here we go. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the program. Somebody just compared Chris Story to cannabis. That's interesting. That's an interesting thought. I, you know, Anthony just said Chris Story is what would happen if THC manifested into a sentient being. Absolute chill. Absolute chill. That's Chris Story. Uh, Good morning, my friend. How are you doing this morning? I like manifestation. I like, so, I'm
3: happy with that. I like to I just now I want some uh, ding dongs and
2: Doritos. I know, dude, give me some Mountain Dew, and some Cheetos. Um, all right. Uh Chris Story, the man from Homer, of course, a realtor, a potter, a radio show host, a philosopher, a guru of positivity. Chris Story comes in every day and shares with us um is uh <laughs> So I think we should just dispense with Chris' story as our guest. He is clearly family. It's true. It's true. Chris is clearly family. That's uh, that's it. That's why you. That's why we treat each other so bad. You only treat family that bad. Um. Anyway, uh, Chris comes in every week to give us uh what we like to call our positivity boost, our weekly betterment segment. Uh, how to our life coaching lesson. Whatever you want to talk about, and it's always some weird esoteric topic that he brings in and makes sense of. Uh, today it is. Oh say can you see? Um and I'm wondering what he means. So let's get down into it. Mr. Story, what is what do you what are you what are you saying? What's going on? I guess
3: if it was all in the family, would that make me meathead or you? Mm, would,
2: that's a good question. That's a good question. Um you are
3: you're more I guess I, okay, you're more archie bunker. I am more. Are you it. saying
2: the I'm a, are you saying I'm a racist? What? I mean, are you? What? Oh, you rant yes. and you rave. <laughs> yeah, possibly. All right. Uh, that makes you meathead then. I mean, okay, meathead. Uh, so okay. give us, oh, say can you see. What What? What do you mean by that? What are you teaching us today with that little uh, mnemonic uh, uh, kind of uh, title there? What are we talking about?
3: 113 years ago, Wallace D. Wattles sat down and wrote a small little book called The Science of Getting Rich. And it's so much more than science, and it's so much more than getting rich. And it's a great, wonderful little book. And I I just reread it recently, as I do at least once a year, cover to cover. But I'll thumb through it occasionally as I'm coming up with material for On Top of the World Radio. It's a a super inspirational little, uh, little thesis on thinking. And it's not just thinking, but it's on visualization and visualizing. Is a huge piece of the science of getting ready to what do we learn over the last couple of years? You can't question the science. Right, so right. The science says don't, don't question thinking, it. Don't question that's it. Right, thinking in a certain way uh will result in certain behaviors or it will result in certain things manifesting in your life. And so, for example, seeing is more powerful than saying, being able to visualize what it is you want. Or being able to visualize what you want to do, what you want to have, or being able to visualize who you want to become, or how a relationship will go in your life, is far more important than saying it. And you and I are obvious proponents of goals—not just having goals, but written-down goals. Zig Ziglar said, a, you know, a goal without the goal that is unwritten is simply a wish. A goal without a deadline is just a dream." So I think you and I share that in common. We believe in having written down goals. The goals need to be measurable, need to have a deadline, need to have some accountability. However, if you fail to see it, you probably won't believe it when you say it. Thus, you're taking away a lot of power. So if step one is to have a goal in mind and to, to write it down, step two and probably fundamental and foundational to it all is being able to see it. It's absolutely crucial to have a clear and present image in your mind so real that when you arrive, it'll almost feel like deja vu. That's how powerful the visualization component is. Um, Napoleon Hill wrote, whatever you can conceive and believe you can achieve. And I believe what he meant when he said conceive is, see it, picturing it. The conception is being able to see it in your mind's eye and visualizing that outcome so much so that you believe it and then you achieve it and i think it's in that sequence and specifically in that order
2: i would agree with that i mean i've told the story before of uh uh you know a visualization and how important it is uh and how it's worked out for me um i might share that story uh in the break or whatever again but uh, you know the the power of the mind to focus on something and to paint that picture as cohesively and as detailed as you can make it makes you know focuses that computer of your brain on that topic and really helps um it, it puts your subconscious to work i mean because your your conscious mind maybe you know you got to control your conscious mind to think about it to deal with it to to visualize it but once you start doing that over and over and over again your subconscious mind starts to go to work on it and starts to find ways to make it happen right i mean that's that's what i that's what i think anyway
3: i agree and i think that it's it's so important in my life and i've seen it i've seen it happen in manica so often in the lives of my clients in in real estate being a real estate broker for over 21 years and I'm seeing in my own personal life relative to investing and or creative arts in pottery or other art forms or writing and publishing but it's so important in my mind that I put a chapter on it in the millionaire maker which is a guide towards becoming a backyard millionaire becoming a, a person of means and wealth through investing in real estate. That's how important I think it is is that I de- devoted a whole chapter to visualization visualizing yourself not just owning a, a home or a mul- multiple of homes but actually seeing yourself collect the rent collect the money and that stream of money coming to you. And I don't mean that it's merely passive. I'm not somebody who is a proponent of just, you know, something for nothing, money for nothing, chicks for free. These are dire straits. (laughs) They are times. Definitely. but, But visualizing that stream of income, which is leveraged income, it's important. I think it's all part of the plan. It's like baking a cake. If you don't have visualization, if you don't have uh, something like a clear image baked into it that you can see in your mind's eye, then I think you're just further from it. It's like leaving salt or leaving sugar on or swapping one for the other. Bob Proctor said something that's been repeated many times, but I think Bob is the first person I'd heard say it. And he was a great thinker and, and business philosopher, even though he's Canadian. He said, if you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. And I think that sums it up beautifully. I think it's really true.
2: I well, and I agree again. I think you know, going back to Napoleon Hill, what the mind of what the mind of man can conceive and believe he can achieve. Uh, and the conceive is the I mean, it has to be in my mind, it has to be detailed. It has to be, it can't be just some amorphous, uh, I want to make a million bucks or something like that. I mean, you know, how are you going to get there? What are you going to offer? What is the service going to look like? What is the business going to look like? What is your, you know, I mean, you have to. You have to look at the details. That's where your mind starts working on it and again your subconscious which is your I mean it is it is your hardest uh it is it is your best secret weapon, your subconscious. But you've got to engage it and the only way to engage it is with in my opinion that visualization, the I mean even even the process of writing down a goal is a visualization. Right. I mean, because you're looking at and as you're writing it, you're seeing it in your mind. The power of the mind is is unparalleled in in our in our world today. Um, I think of Nikola Tesla, who was a bit of an odd duck, but uh, really one of my kind of one of my heroes. This was a guy who conceived things in his mind in a multitude of ways and then put it on paper He worked inside. You know, he did those kind of things. So, yeah, you have to visualize it. You have to work through it Um, and you have to come up with a complete and detailed picture of what you want. And then your subconscious goes to work on it.
3: And uh, yes, I'll I'll see your Tesla and raise you a Da Vinci designing a helicopter, um, you know, in 400 years before or, you know, or 300 and some odd years prior to there even being man's flight or the concept of of flight, it's incredible. And then I would say also it's a double-edged sword as visualization, because you can also be of a pessimistic mind and visualize something negative. Visual fear can be visualized it, really powerfully and potently in the mind as well. And that's where having a written down goal, thinking about it and taking time to think through what it is you want very specifically and then visualizing it, because our mind will fill in the blanks will fill in the difference with just fear, and the visualization of that fear. I've talked about this before, where I used to be afraid to fly, and it wasn't the dying, it was the visualizing of the crash or visualizing of the pain and suffering, and the fear of, you know, going down. And it was all a matter of visualization, I ended up replacing that visualization of fear with the destination, <clears throat> and and if I would start right. to feel any trepidation whatsoever, I would just instantly run a new program in my mind that was of what I wanted, and so I had to physically, almost like with a crowbar, you know, exit what I was seeing and put it in terms of you know what I wanted to see, and that made all, that made all the difference in my life. It was huge. There was a huge difference, and so it could be applied again to conquering fears, or conquering the world, or just simply having the relationship you want, or a better relationship uh, with your community. Where do you want to see the country? We all have fears of where we see it going, or the world where we see it going. It's time to start writing down some very specific, actionable, measurable goals relative to your own community, starting where you are with what you've got, and then visualizing that coming to fruition, what you want, and the action plan you want to put into place, because you can make a difference right here where you are versus just having a global fear and visualization of what might happen and eventually we'll all bring it about so let's take control of it and oh say can you see what an incredible place this could be
2: that rhymes (laughs) you're a poet because your longfellows show it because they're your feet and they're big um let's um you just touched on something, you know, talking about your fear of flying in the plane. You know, I saw a statistic the other day, uh, the other day, a couple months ago, three, four months ago. was doing some reading and they were talking about the um, generalized anxiety disorder, right? It's a thing these days. It's like everybody has some kind of almost clinical anxiety uh, about something <clears throat> or about everything, uh, you know. I have people in my life that have uh, kind of a get, get so anxious about things and everything else. But to me, that whole thing has got to be about controlling your mind and controlling your thoughts. And what's happening, I think, is that the the you know in today's society, we're not really talking about these things. They are running amok. and so they always see the worst case. And of course, the news, the doom and gloom, the whole thing everybody it's always about anxiety not about controlling it and like you said rerunning a new program that says you know because their their brains are screaming well what if the plane goes down and instead it should be well what if the plane lands perfectly and the the sun is shining and the birds are out and it smells like tropical breezes when you get off and do all i mean you know Come on. I mean, we have this generalized anxiety because people are not being taught how to control their thoughts. I think it'll I think it's a huge component. Yes, there may be some instances of chemical imbalances or, you know, you know, actually physiological problems. But for the most part, I think a lot of this is people just not controlling their thoughts.
3: I agree. That's a a great point. And going back to my fear of flying just real quick, what used to be and then just see that even that that sense of ownership, my fear of flying. When I, at one point in my life, had a fear of flying, which I no longer do, um, I replaced those images, as I said, but it maybe wasn't even that simple. I actually did a lot of research. I did a lot of reading about uh, air safety and what a plane is designed to do and what, what the different amounts of turbulence and what turbulence actually is doing in broken air. And suddenly I was empowered with a whole different set of, Materials in my mind that I could form a different picture with. And so that's part of it, I think, is taking some ownership, not of my victimization, my fear, my anxiety, removing that word from it, the sense of ownership. Like I don't want to own it. And I've been through, and I'm grateful that I've been through it, Michael, this idea of a a clinical anxiety attack or panic attacks, because I didn't truly have a sense of understanding when somebody would say that until 2021, when I actually went through it myself, inextricably, unexplainably, and I couldn't visualize, I couldn't read myself, I couldn't think myself from those attacks. It was just mind-numbingly frustrating to a point where I I had to physically run. I had to go physically running and crowd my mind with music, loud, raucous music and running to just simply get away from whatever that attack was. And that was no solution because often those runs were at two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Right, And so I did, I did go seek help and I'm really glad that I did. And I got a break from it, almost like a scratch of a record that, that no longer would play. And so having gone through that, I can see both sides. I think the collective amount of fear and anxiety that could be somewhat a social disorder versus maybe uh, a chemical imbalance or something where we need to go seek some professional help. Sure. And there's there's both sides are warranted. But if it, all this makes sense and you're thinking, well, there's certain things I want to do or accomplish or have, and I just it's really frustrating where we're at and I'm, I'm just not focused on it, then this is a super simple, prescriptive way to go about it. Write down a goal focus on it and visualize it and just try it for 30 days and then and then get back to me maybe it doesn't work for you try it for 30 days and it could be all the difference between where you are and where you want to go
2: chris story the man from homer author of the book the backyard millionaire born to live making of man and now the watchman thank you my friend for coming on board and uh being part of it with us today as always it's a pleasure to to be with you appreciate it oh all my pleasure michael thank you folks we got more coming up chris story our guest will be returning here in a moment without chris but uh we'll continue on the michael duke show common sense radio
0: if you missed the show you can listen to it on your time with dukes on demand oh and it's free like america used to be Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
2: So, inquiring minds want to know, Chris, are you listening to, like, death metal when you're running? Do, host! I mean, are you, like, you know? (laughs) Uh,
3: Yeah, a little Eminem, ACDC, a wide collective variety of uh, rock and roll scorpions, you know, some good classic 80s hair bands. Little Motley Crew, little Dio, and, uh, and little John Dio, Denver.
2: little Judas Priest, little ACDC getting it all in there. Um and John Denver. And John and John Denver, just to get me down. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, it's interesting because we I was reading this article and the article was fascinating. Uh and I'm sure a lot of it has to do with uh kind of the the day, uh, you know, what's going on, social media, the news. Mm-hmm. But there are I mean again. Sometimes it, there's an imbalance, whether it's caused by diet, whether it's caused by the stress itself inducing some kind of imbalance. There's all kinds of things in there, and people shouldn't be afraid to reach out and get help. Uh, but also, learning how to control your mind will help with that along the way, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, for example, for my own particular case, and, and it, as real as it felt, and, and I happen to be married to a life coach who, who worked with me on in the moment. And I couldn't have asked for a kinder person to be understanding, but also educated as to what I probably was going through. There was no amount of understanding or talking it through or explaining it to me. It was it was something that was incredibly real in the moment. And I started thinking about it. There was a, this global collective fear happening that I had been incredibly tied into. I'd read every possible article, watched interview upon interview, had done many broadcasts myself on what was happening. And all of this just built up to a point where I was very isolated for a long time, and then went and spent a month in a city with 4.8 million people. And we spent a month in Phoenix. And it was, I she believes, Tiffany believes, and, and my other doctor believes, it, it just unleashed some sort of a pent-up you know, a flood of anxiety and it was just, it was bizarre. But then at the same time, I do credit a lot of this kind of thinking that you and I talk about in a spouse, you know, every Tuesday together as is a huge part of why it lasted so short. I mean, I don't understand why it, why it arrived and where it went, but I do think, and I do credit, you know, obviously my faith in a large part, but also thinking and controlling thoughts and, and using visualization is a, is a pretty, you know powerful cure in addition to a pharmacological intervention for uh about 60 days
2: yeah no and that's good i mean i'm glad that you were able to do that and get that squared away i mean the visualization thing i've told the story before but when i first moved down to anchorage i was you know driving an old car and i was it's a 120 mile round trip to my house to work and it was you know i was thinking i i need to get something new and one day i drove by a a, a car lot, and there was a car there What I'd always wanted a Mini Cooper, you know Yada, 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 and I was like Oh yeah, maybe one day that'd be great, but I really Love this car, it was like gunmetal Gray, it was just, it. he was beautiful And so I drove into the lot, and I just took a look at it You know, and I snapped a picture, kind of an artistic Picture of the rim of the car And I put it As my wallpaper on my phone For a long time, about four and a half Five months uh, And I just thought, and then Everything kind of aligned, and I was able later to go back and go uh, and go and buy a car. Well, as it turned out, I found out about six months after that, I realized I was going through my phone because I changed my wallpaper at one point. And I looked at it and realized that I had actually snapped a picture of the car that I ultimately bought. I didn't even know that it was the same vehicle. I yeah. thought that vehicle was gone. And I never even realized it. And that visualization of looking at that every day and realize, you know, this is what I want. This is what I want. Even subconsciously was putting those things in there. And it actually, I mean, it was the same car. I'd taken a picture of my car six months before I bought it without even realizing it. And, uh, and that's, that kind of visualization is powerful.
3: Just as powerful as, is our pessimistic friends who, Visualize the opposite in, in the it is almost a form of, of protection, maybe from being disappointed by not not getting or achieving something or seeing. Yeah, see, I knew it wasn't going to work out. And that opposite visualization, right. I think we employ almost as a default by human nature. And so it's we, because we, you know, yeah. Exactly. And yeah. that's OK. It's not a not everybody wakes up, you know, positive every single morning. And that's how this is a practice. Makes a lot of sense to me. It's like Kung yeah. Fu or. You know anything else you got to practice it it doesn't just happen overnight you don't just get your black belt and then be done yeah no you got it
2: yeah you got to remember the brain is a muscle almost like anything else it's got to get that it's not a muscle but you know what i mean it's the same kind of thing you got to exercise it and and run it in those neural pathways to get the things you know down so that it becomes a habit force that we've talked about as well
3: yeah i'm not a biologist so i can't define if it's a muscle or if you're a man yeah, I'm exactly. not a biologist, that's true.
2: That's true. I mean, that's true. I
3: could get on the Supreme Court with that information. But
2: all right, Michael, take care. Thank you, my friend. Good to hear from you, as always. Chris Story, the man from Homer. Uh, all right. Well, we're coming back into it here and we're going to be uh, jumping back in the Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio, like it, share, like it, follow. <sighs> I don't know what it's I don't know what we're going to talk about. I don't know what we're going to talk about here in the next segment, but it'll be something. Here we go. Okay, we're back. Thank you for coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. I kind of almost hate to ruin the whole thing. I mean, I just talked with Chris. I got my positivity. I feel I'm feeling good. I kind of almost hate to go back to what I was talking about. <laughs> it comes down to that. Uh, because I, I feel so, I feel so good about it. Um, all right, I guess, well, maybe I want to talk about this anxiety thing. I, I got one of my daughters is, uh, got a lot of anxiety and I, I don't know where it comes from. Uh, she doesn't know where it comes from. Uh, so I'm doing a lot, <clears> have <throat> been doing a lot of reading on it and It is almost, it's almost an epidemic in America that I didn't realize how, I did not realize how common it was for folks, uh, for folks out there, especially, uh, I don't know, millennials or Gen Z, whatever, you know, the the kind of the latest couple generations, how it is a a big, big thing with them that uh, this anxiety is almost overwhelming um, and you know some of it I think is the environment some of it is I mean hell if I was trying to grow up today if I was growing up with social media the way it is today I mean you got to think about what would your <laughs> what would your body image be like what would your you know your your fear of missing out I mean all these other kind of things that have come out of this whole social media thing. What would it, you know, what would your life be like? How would you have, you know, how much different would your life have been if you had the whole social media thing going? So I could see some of that anxiety is, um, you know, some of that anxiety is, is, uh, environmental, right? It's the, it's the, 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 the social media and all the other aspects, the a- external inputs. Uh, some of it may be, uh, somebody, Jeannie's just talking about how some of it's hormonal caused by insulin resistance. Some of it could be the food we're eating and, and things like that. But I think also a lot of it is, is that we're not talking uh, about the visualization aspect of what we were talking about. Um, I think that that is, um, you know, I think what Chris is, is laying into is something that I have been working on since I was a teenager. You know, I've been working on that whole visualization thing and, and you know, going after what I wanted and doing the things that I wanted to do and and visualizing where I wanted to be kind of thing. Luckily, that was something that I was exposed to very early on, um, and it has served me well over the course of the last, you know, 45 years or so, 40, 40 years, 35, 40 years. Um, but I think it's something that we're missing. There's a, it, apparently it's a huge, huge problem. Um, you know, we're getting the, the pharmacological effects of, of this is that we've got a lot of people who are being treated for anxiety, uh, a lot of it with medication. And I'm definitely not saying that medication isn't necessary in, in, uh, in some of the instances, but I get worried that maybe this is, you know, that we're, we're treating people, uh, instead of treating their minds, treating them how to and how to control their own minds. We're treating them just with the pharmacological aspect of it instead of, you know, as Chris was saying, produce the alternate programming. As soon as one track starts running in your mind, you replace it or immediately overwrite it with some other programming. Um, And so I I worry about my kids. I worry about, you know, grandkids. I worry about, you know, all the kids out there who are suffering from this because I did not realize how much of an epidemic this really this really is. Something like thirty something percent of the people under twenty five are feeling this high, 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 almost debilitating anxiety, and that is um, that's part of the that's part of the problem, you know. Um, and we got to figure out a way to try and help them. Um, it's you know something we're going to struggle with all all the uh, we're going to struggle with the whole time here. Um. It's extremely hard to live your entire teenage and adult life in complete survival mode, says uh, Jerrica in the chat room. I mean, I guess. I mean, we, we're we always going to be faced with some kind of challenge, right? There's always going to be some kind of, ch- whether it's life-threatening or not. In some cases, it feels like it's life-threatening. And so I think that's where a lot of that anxiety comes from. Um, but, I mean, I, I just I wish I had a better answer. I wish I had a better answer from some of this stuff. Um, I, I think that a large portion of it is induced by social media, the online world, seeing, you know, seeing these other things. Um, and uh, it, and I think Anthony is agreeing with me in the chat room. He says um, the anxiety epidemic comes from the social media slash online world. Think of it like this. Unlike us older folks, the current two or three generations have never lived life not connected to the entire planet via the internet. We're not meant to have this much information blasting us between the earlobes from birth. And you absolutely might be right with that. Uh, I mean, you know, right. My internet was an encyclopedia Britannica and really I think mom and dad only had half a dozen volumes of it. It wasn't even the full thing or it was the time life books or whatever it was that I was reading at the time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a totally different it's a totally different world. I mean, you always hear that. Well, back in my day, it was always different when I grew up and these damn kids. And but it really truly was generationally. We've made the leap. In just the last 25 years, we have made, uh, well, 30 years, I guess, we have made some unbelievable leaps in technology and connectivity. I mean, the smartphone, the internet, all these other kind of things. And there is a whole generation that has no idea. How they I mean, you unplug them from that and they just start to twitch a little bit. You know what I mean? You unplug them. for They just uh, they just don't know what to do. Um, and uh, even I mean, even I get that way sometimes, like if I have no connectivity to something and I'm trying to work on stuff or whatever, I, I just like, OK, I guess we'll just calmly watch the sky or be with nature or whatever. But these kids have never had any other experience other than that. Maybe that maybe it is an overload. Maybe it's a sensory input overload is causing the anxiety. I don't know. I just, you know, I just don't know. Um it's it's interesting. It's an interesting situation. Maybe one day maybe I'll maybe I'll get an expert on to talk about that. That would be an interesting discussion. Uh that is definitely not political in well, I'm sure it could end. You could almost make anything political these days, but it's not necessarily political in and of itself. It's something that could be made political. So, um, but yeah, get outside, go out there, enjoy the wilderness, enjoy the rain or the sunshine or whatever it is. That to me always helps, too. I enjoy getting outside and doing that, that back to nature, that uh, the Walden You know, the uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson and the Walden and the whole just getting outdoors into nature. Maybe that'll help, too. I don't know where any of this went today, but it was a good piece with Chris. And I didn't want to lose my happy thought for today. So thank you for thank you for allowing me to pontificate on that. Tomorrow's another day. Mike shower. Uh, Then on Thursday, we're going to have. Um. Nick Begich on the program to talk. Maybe we'll see if we can get Kelly Shabaka to come on and talk about the APOC complaint and more. We'll find out about that here. Gotta go. Folks, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Be kind, love one another, live well. (music) Drinking Folgers would give me anxiety because I'd have to question every decision I've ever made in my life. Sorry, Harold. Hashtag, no time for bad brew. <laughs> I'd rather drink real coffee. Uh, Folgers is fine. If, that's, if you got nothing else, Folgers is fine. Otherwise, start questioning your life choices. Uh, all right, folks, we got to go. Thanks for being part of it today. Thank you again, Bill, for the stars. We will see you folks tomorrow. Have a great day.